Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Number two on a Monday. Hope you are doing well. Obviously, if you're a Longhorn sports fan, specifically a men's basketball fan, it's a tough Monday after what happened yesterday, and we are helping you get through it. We are the therapy for you today. Uh, A little therapy Monday there. Good Monday if you're talking about baseball, softball. Those two teams are rolling right now. Uh, But obviously, the men's basketball season coming to an end. The big focus of the day. It's Chad and Zay on this Monday. I'm Chad Hastings. He is Isaiah Collier. We've also hit the Lamar Jackson story out of the NFL. He is officially requesting a trade. They've got owners meetings going on right now. So I just saw John Harbaugh getting interviewed by the assembled media about the situation. Lamar says as of March 2nd, he let the Ravens know he wants a trade. So all that is out there on the table today. Uh, let's get right to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. We'll jump back into this Longhorn discussion with Joe Cook of Inside Texas on 3.com. We talk to him this time uh, every Monday. He's at Joseph Cook 89 on Twitter as well. Joe, how are you? Doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. We'll get the uh, we'll get to that uh, good news with the baseball team, but let's start with basketball. Obviously, a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts on the game and the circumstances around it. What did you make of Miami coming back to beat Texas um, as a fan, as somebody that covers it, obviously for a living as well? Uh, what did you make of the game and and what happened to the Longhorns after that thirteen point lead? Man. Uh... Uh, it's just one of those things where I think everybody knew that, whether it be Nigel Pack and Isaiah Long, they knew that would be probably an advantage for Miami going into the game. And uh, credit to Texas, that three-point shooting early was able to help stave off a lot of what uh, Miami was, you know, really successful at. Yeah, they were scoring, but Texas was scoring and just as frequently. Once Serge Barry Rice got banged up, once it looked like Marcus Carr got dead legged. Uh, it was going to be tough for those guys to be able to handle everything on the offensive and defensive end of the floor, add in Dylan DeSue not being available, and then just became a near, I don't want to say impossible matchup, but a really tough matchup for Texas in crunch time You know, against a, a team that, hey, if you make it this far, you're a good team, and you got a good coach. Against a really good team coached by Coach Laranega, uh, two good guards, a lot of athleticism, and uh, time just kind of, you know, ran out on a team that had been pretty, pretty. I don't want to say they had injury luck, but they had been pretty healthy for most of the year, and uh, that that lack of uh, that lack of luck toward the end accentuated the the, the mismatches that Miami had in, in relation to Texas, and overall at the end, you know, it just forced the issue, forced the whistle. Miami hit their opportunities at the line, and, and Texas just uh, wasn't able to make it back to Houston for what would have been a really exciting Final Four. 
Yeah, absolutely, Joe. You know, before the season started, when you saw the exhibition game against Arkansas, you knew this team had to, was capable of getting to this point. And I think we were spoiled those 2,000 years under Rick Barnes when TJ Four was taking teams to the Final Four and DJ Augustine, those guys were going into the Elite Eight. And then you have this 15-year drought, and it's like, man, it's not that easy, but – it's a different game now with NIL and the transfer portal and, you know, the COVID year. Like, those are some grown-ass men, these four the four teams left in the Final Four. All these teams have grown-ass grown men on their teams. And I want to ask you, who could you see coming back next season? Because I see Ron Holland over there in the McDonald's All-American game talking about he can't wait to get on campus and thinks Coach Terry deserves the job. You know about A.J. Johnson and stuff. But you know Brock Cunningham's coming back. But who else could you see coming back for another year, hopefully, with Coach Terry on the sideline? Yeah, I think we'll, you got to start with the knowns. Um, at this point, it, it really seems like once that official announcement comes down from Texas about Rodney Terry, which pretty much everybody expects it to happen at this point, you're probably going to have A.J. Johnson and you're probably going to have uh, you know Ron Holland suiting up in burnt orange next year. Um, like you mentioned, Jay, you're, you're going to have uh, Brock Cunningham you know, trying to do his best Terry Ellis uh, impersonation, but he and Armando Baycott over there uh, in Chapel Hill are, you know, they're they're gonna, you know, when you think of seventh year seniors, you think of guys who may mess around during years one, two, three, four, and five. But that's not Brock. He's making the most of the opportunity, and he's a guy who loves playing for the University of Texas and is going to have two and tech. He can he can end up being Doctor Cunningham by the time <laughs> this is all done. Um, I think in, in addition. Um, uh, Alexander McWay, a guy who uh, saw some, some minutes off the bench uh, during the season, was a late add in the 2022 class, I believe. I think you know that he's going to be back. Uh, that's a lot of what our Jerry Hamilton over at Inside Texas has been talking about. The rest of the guys, you know, aside from the, the Rices, the Cars, um, who, you know, are obviously out of eligibility, it, it, some of it just remains to be determined with guys who, with, with conversations with Rodney Terry and I'm not saying that to mean that guys are you know already leaning on leaving or stuff like that you know even if you're thinking about you know just Tyrese Hunter I would anticipate him being back because what's his option to go transfer and fight for a waiver uh you know he's already had a good situation he'll probably be the point guard again next year I don't know why he would want to leave that in the dust and I don't anticipate him doing that but you know outside of that you know you, you got Ron Holland you got A.J. Johnson uh, you got Anamekwe, you got Brock Cunningham. Dylan DeSue, I know that's the big one. That, that's kind of a we'll see. You know, that's someone who tested the NBA waters last year. Um, just, you know, and, and for, I think everybody is on the same page as knowing that was a, I want to see what my, my game needs, what it needs to add, and then maybe I'll be back next year. He could do that again. I know he went through senior day honors, uh, but that's obviously no final call um, in respect to coming back. Uh, but if, if you're Texas, you know, you have to consider Dylan DeSue has been a guy who hasn't been 100% a ton over the course of his Texas career. And um, you, you want him to be 100%. You want him to work to be 100%. But at the same time, you saw how valuable having a second unit was. So maybe you're looking for a, a second unit big or someone to help take some pressure. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, I think that also 
that probably remains to be seen with what he learns from, from the NBA. You know, that's uh, obviously he was one of the highest profile prospects uh, who were who made it to campus, uh, but a lot of that had to do with his athletic profile. I think he's got some more skill than what he showed, uh, but in the framework of this team, it wasn't really needed or necessary. I wouldn't be surprised if he does come in a similar thing to pursue, test the waters, learns what he needs to, to you know, improve on. But maybe he's someone who decides, you know, the G League is my path. The second round is what I want, uh, something like that. So that, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that, you know, even with Holland and Johnson seemingly in, as, far, as long as Terry gets named permanent head coach, there's a lot of roster building, both through the portal and even the high school ranks, that it's going to need to happen next year, even with some known returners coming back on the roster. Talking with Joe Cook. Joe, you, you just referenced the Coach Terry situation there. There are reports out that it's going to happen. It hasn't been official yet. Obviously, this season didn't end like the Longhorns would have wanted to. Some would say you look at that bracket and things had kind of opened up and they were the highest seed left and all that. That didn't end the way they wanted to. But the ultimate victory for this team seems to be that Rodney Terry went and got the job. Watching the way the players react to him reminds me of what I'm seeing around the country. Some of these Final Four teams, the way they react to their coach, the way they talk about their coach. Is it fair to say that that's the ultimate victory for Texas here, that they absolutely found their coach? Hmm. You know, I hadn't hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I think that that is a victory uh, for sure. Um, but the, the guy, I think you have to consider a little bit the fact that the guys who may have earned that victory, a lot of them aren't going to be here next year. So, and, and not to say that it's not one, but you just have to, I think you, that, that's something you can't ignore uh, when you're thinking about that. But that's, you know, kind of leads into another point. I think we saw over the course of this year that, yes, obviously Rodney Perry had an experienced team, but in the Big 12, he pressed all the right buttons. You know, you don't end up second in the Big 12. You don't end up in the Elite Eight without knowing how to game plan and, and run things in-game. And that's a result of having a three-decade career that includes one decade as a head coach. So I think that that's a win as far as those guys showing uh, that, you know, obviously taking their, their role and, uh, you know, helping Rodney Terry most likely get to this point. But I think one of the truest senses, and it kind of goes back to or the, the, the truest sense of how big a victory it is, we may not know until the end of the summer once a lot of these portal decisions and roster building things have been uh, brought up. And, and I know there's probably a lot of discussion online. It's like, oh, this is Beard's team. He built it. And then you'll see some probably sympathetic uh, people sympathetic to Terry and maybe even media sympathetic to Terry say, oh, no, 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 Terry brought these guys in. It's like, you know, there are some people who are so disillusioned by Mac Brown that they'll give all the credit of, of Vince Young ending up at Texas to, to Tim Brewster when there's credit all around here. But still, Rodney Terry in this landscape is going to have to show that he can build a roster both from the high school ranks with the select talent, you know, the, the five-star types, but also that he's going to be able to go into the portal and convince guys that uh, Texas is the place for them. But I think it definitely this team this year showed, thanks to a lot of their elder abilities, but also just the fact that uh, they were put in the right spots. And for the Big 12 season and for three games in the tournament, 
they were put in the right spots by Rodney Terry, and I think that he does definitely mean a lot going forward, along with just the love they showed him. That's that's not fake, mm-hmm. and I think that also can't be lost too. Like those guys, even if they aren't coming back next year, like that that's you can't fake that. Uh, I think we could kind of see, you know, if you ever saw some videos of uh, tech locker room celebrations from this year, the few that there were. You, Maybe this is some burnt orange tint to, to viewing those those videos, but you could tell like they were. They, it just seemed like the social media team goes like, "Hey, go go pour some water on Coach Adams," because we knew how much that team didn't like uh, Mark Adams in the situation there. That that they always felt genuine with the Longhorns, and at every situation possible, they offered genuine responses and things like that. So I think that does go a long way. And will help Rodney Terry in in portal efforts where he's going to have to prove himself the most. I think over these next few months. Joe, going back to the game yesterday, you know I'm never one to blame the refs for the loss. The Horns did some really dumb things in the second half, but the refs didn't help them out either. And you know a lot of people are going to be looking at the officiating when they think of this game from years on out. They're going to think oh yeah, the refs, the stripes, they hose the Longhorns and everybody has their own opinion. What did you think about the officiating yesterday and what did you think about the Brock over the back or non-over the back call? Man, that, that over the back call is tough because that, that's, that looks like boxing out and I, I think y'all may have seen this I posted a tweet during the game. There's no place for reputation calls in in the NCAA tournament. Part of me feels like if that were Tyrese Hunter boxing that guy out, no call, maybe even an over the back, um, and you know where you may be talking about a different result. Brock Cunningham, I felt like got two reputation calls in the course of that game, and that's that's pretty rough. But something about that game. It kind of reminded me last year about the other game that got eliminated, that that Texas was eliminated in. You know, there was a huge discrepancy last year when uh, Zach Eady and Jaden Ivey were just going to the line. But I felt like that had more to do with just athletic advantage over, you know, referees just having their imprint on the game. And part of that, I think, with the, the Texas limitations through the injury and just how skilled you, 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 you got to give a lot of credit to uh, Nigel Pack and, and Wong, you know, the best backcourt that money could buy by John Reed <laughs> over in Life Wallet. Uh, those guys, those guys are skilled. Um, and, and those guys did a great job of, of forcing the issue uh, and making Texas have to defend off the, off the dribble. And, you know, Texas defense included some fouling in the eyes of the officials. So, um, either way, they, they forced that issue. That's a big credit to them. Um, yes, maybe it was a little bit more often than, than Texas fans would have liked, but it came mostly as – it wasn't as a result of anything nefarious in my mind. It was a result of Miami seeing a weakness and forcing that issue some way, and the officials were the way that it became apparent in how they attacked that problem for the Longhorns. 
Talking with Joe Cook, inside Texas on 3.com. Last one from me, Joe. Wanted to get you to your thoughts on baseball. You said you were waiting for that tech series to give you an indicator of what the Longhorns would be taking with them to College Station tomorrow night. So 14-0 and overall, but what did you make of the sweep, the two walk-off wins? How confident are you that the Longhorns are taking a really good team to College Station tomorrow? You know, that, that was a huge, huge series for the Longhorns, not just to take two or three, but, but to sweep. Um, and I know Texas Tech hadn't really done a whole lot outside of Lubbock this year, but they even no matter where they had played, um, and like I said, most of them had been in Lubbock, they were mashing the ball. And that even made itself apparent over the course of these last couple games. You know, they, they came back and scored, I think, at least five runs in, in all three games or something like that. So it's still a team that was able to produce on offense, but there was a lot of resiliency. And I think another really great thing was that uh, David Pierce saw from his bullpen, he saw some more guys step up in some pressure situations. Now there were some guys who didn't give it their, have their best showing, but he tried to press as many buttons as possible, gave guys opportunities um, in, in high leverage situations. And a lot of those guys carried through. Um, whether it be starting pitching, relief pitching, you know, Ace Whitehead gets to win. I think it was uh, tra- uh, not Travis Kelly, Zane Morehouse comes in and gets two wins. One was a back end win, uh, but the other was a result of Friday and going three and I think three and two thirds. Uh, that's that's what you want to see. You want to see guys develop over the course of, of a season and even over the course of this win streak. You know, uh, Chad, you brought it up. These aren't Manhattan, you know. Campbell, whatever teams they were, weren't the strongest teams. But that gives you the opportunity to build and learn while winning, and that gives you confidence. And it gave them enough confidence to go out and face a top-20 team like Texas Tech and take all those things that they had learned over the course of that win streak into the game. Plus, I mean, you can't discount what Peyton Powell has done at the plate so far. Uh, he has earned the hitting so well you can't take him out of the lineup award. <laughs> uh, he's playing a lot of really good defense at, at third base, um, and that was kind of a spot that there was some intrigue as to who would step up and take it, um, and he's just become a guy that is just a, a weapon in that lineup. So should be a lot of fun in College Station. I'm going to make it down there, try not to get a speeding ticket. On I won't get a speeding ticket because I'm going to be going to speed limit on – on yeah. 21 tomorrow. Be careful, uh, brother. Be careful. And, <laughs> hey, I'll uh, chat. If, if I hear a train whistle, I may shoot you a text to see how many engines you think will be passing by. There you go. Now, I'll definitely be able to give you a guess. Yes, be, uh, be definitely be aware. That's a good little PSA real quick for all of you that are headed over to Olsen Field tomorrow. Sorry, Blue, Blue Bell. Bell Park. Yeah, yeah, let us know if there's actually ice cream there. If they don't sell ice cream like some Aggie stuff, then that's a huge problem. I'm assuming they have Blue Bell okay. in the ballpark. Okay. I would assume you could you get better. it. You better. Uh, but, yeah, for those of you headed over there, the speed limit would be a good idea. Just be real careful. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, hopefully my people will be nice to you. It's not a big deal to them, is it? They have. <laughs> uh, you no? know, it's. If anybody ever tries to use the words meaningless midweek game in college baseball is probably not their primary focus. Yeah, that's They're true. Not, they all count the same in the record books, and uh, especially when these two teams get together 
it's always a fun time. Hey, and the Aggies, they, they probably want to get a little win over UT, considering they went over three against the other UT last weekend. So uh, it's a big opportunity for Schloss and, and that team. as there seems like they're stumbling through uh, uh, SEC play to start, and the Longhorns didn't have to go on the road again to uh, Oklahoma State team that might be the top contender for the Big 12 regular season title. What did Skip say a few weeks ago about um... – the Aggies? What kind of place is this? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. He won't be saying that tomorrow night. He won't be saying that. Come on. They're not going to give him the murmur against Texas. Hopefully not. Uh, that's Joe Cook inside Texas on 3.com at JosephCook89 on Twitter. Joe, safe travels to and from College Station. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Good Joe. Stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy game tomorrow night. Yeah, that was one of those. That was a big <laughs> indicator where with A&M going to Knoxville, and even though it's on the road, Texas has a home series. You're interested in giving, how would the two teams be coming in? Wow. One comes in after a sweep at home. The other gets swept on the road. Aggies lost two out of three to LSU. Aggies lost two out of three to Portland earlier in the season. But Zay... Tomorrow night, these midweek games, it has felt like the Aggies have figured these out. As these these last few midweeks, right. not to mention the game in the College World Series last year, they've been able to figure them out. Everything will be better in College Station if they get the win tomorrow night. That's a damn shame. They'll figure out a way to just forget all of it. Yeah. <laughs> if they beat the team from Austin, that will be different. They beat Texas, very, very different. And for the Longhorns, can they keep it rolling? 14 in a row, and Joe just mentioned it, headed to the Oklahoma State Series. It's going to be so special to see them play. Obviously, in a couple years, it's going to be full series with these two teams in the SEC. But we'll get to that tomorrow. Thanks to Joe for his time. We're talking Longhorn basketball today. Obviously, the team losing to Miami out of the tournament. We're talking about all the different ingredients, including that foul call. We've been through that. We'll get to some of the other stuff that's uh, gone on. I still want to hear Zay's thoughts on that San Diego State crowd. Creighton foul as well. Plus, up next, we'll get you a little flex segment, including some spring visits, offers, and commitments. It is that time of year. It's the Horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, here we go. Way back. Getting started on a Monday, getting started or getting going here in the second hour on a Monday and trying to get Longhorn fans restarted after yesterday and Miami taking out the Longhorn Stray Cats. Stray Cats. There it is. Brian Setzer with that stacked up crazy blonde hair back in the day. Stray Cats, Tony Basil, and Sleazebees have gotten us started today. Remember, uh, Thursday, we'll get the album swap discussion back on. I have finished Iron Man from Ghostface Killa. Have you done any Back in Black yet? A little bit. A little bit? I'll really get into it today and the rest of the week. Fair enough. Zay's going to give us that review on Thursday, and uh, we will look at that. We're going to see about the end of the week. i got to check with uh, Brandon Lang's folks and see if we get one more Brandon Lang before Final Four. I'm with it. If he's ready to go. or get it. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get you that schedule once we have it. Thanks to Joe Cook for his time. Uh, We're talking basketball today. Also, Lamar Jackson demanding a trade, and we got to get into LeBron's return. Did you catch that? LeBron came back sooner than a lot of people thought. Yeah, Chad, Joe didn't mention Arterio Morris. He's a player I'm nervous about. 
if Dylan Mitchell leaves, I'm not nervous about him leaving to go to another school. I'm nervous about him leaving to go to the G League slash the association. Arterio Morris, I don't know. And he was pretty good yesterday. You're saying he might stay in college and go somewhere. Yeah, hopefully he has a really strong relationship with Rodney Terry. And he's going to have a lot of responsibility if he were to come back. Yeah. You know, hopefully Tyrese Hunter comes back. But those guys at your as your backcourt, Arterio Morris working on this game, another year of maturity, another year in the weight room, that's not too shabby. Arterio Morris shows flashes of superstardom. Does he do some dumb freshman stuff? Yes. But those two threes he hit yesterday, he wasn't phased. Now, he also had to play in the second half where he just drove through the lane and threw some crap up with the left hand that hit no type of rim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that wasn't good. It hit no type of rim, and yeah. it led to a run out for Miami. But sometimes at that age, you got to live with the good and the bad. I would love for Arterio Morris to come back next year. I yeah. think he he has a lot of potential. Uh, go test the NBA waters, get that good feedback, work out with the pros, play against some good high-level comp. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but he's a college player. And again, if you missed it and you're just jumping in, there are reports out there from some of the insider sites. Shout out to Horns247.com where I saw it that uh, there will be an offer made to Rodney Terry, and uh, maybe that gets done this week. We'll just have to see when it becomes official for Texas basketball. Uh, More basketball talk coming, but right now let's get you a quick flex segment. We'll talk about some of these offers and visits and all that kind of stuff. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Remember, we are looking for your videos, your updates, those huddle clips, whatever it is you've got out there. We want to give the athletes their love and uh, tell their stories here in the Flex segment. For instance, uh, Jake Helms, the long snapper from Westlake, went to Vanderbilt this weekend for a little visit. So uh, shout out there. So he's a smart kid. He is apparently a good student. Yeah. Also from Westlake, uh, one of their talented baseball players, Aiden Bennett, commits to Howard over the weekend. Wait, Con- what? Wait, hold on, huh? You said Westlake? I did. Going to what? Going to Howard. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Shop around with that flavor. How about that? Going to the HBCU. Aiden Bennett. Okay, Aiden. I see you, dog. There you have it. That's big time. Uh-huh. Also, uh, congrats to Stony Point running back Corey Thomas. He's in the class of 23. He is now signed with Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, our, our guy Anthony Williams tweeted that out earlier, and Flex retweeted. The Crusaders have had some really good football lately. One of the greatest D3s. College football history. Man, and Corey is uh, going to join them. So best of luck to him. Also, shout out to Anthony and the FBU camp crew. He wanted to give a little love to a young man named Carson Workman. What a great name for a running back. Running back out of Hendrickson in the 24 class was at their camp in Dallas this weekend. He is listed here on his Twitter. Six foot 190, uh, a running back. Does a little track and field as well. All-around athlete from Hendrickson. Carson Workman. So we're getting a lot of those names out into the discussion. And real quick on the coaching side, I saw Austin High tweet out they have a new defensive coordinator, Jason Cecil. So congrats to you, Coach, getting the uh, getting the D.C. gig yeah, there. Congrats, at Austin High. Coach. Now you got to prepare for Lake Travis, Westlake. 
Dripping Springs. <laughs> yeah. Look out. Oh, man. But this is what he wanted. This is what he wanted. He yeah. wanted to play on this level. That's what all coaches want. You want to play at the highest level that you can. And 26 yeah. 6A. Don't get much higher than that when it comes to football in Texas. Also, Zay, this one just coming down a couple hours ago. But Adrian Wilson, the talented receiver from Weiss that we've been talking about, want to make sure people know that name. He just got the four star rating from On Three Sports. And he wanted to thank them for that. So uh, all those guys, we wish them nothing but the best. A lot of cool stories this time of year. The visits, junior days. Uh, There was a junior day over at Texas. We'll be hearing about that this week as well. Uh, Real quick before the break, Zay, do you have a thought for us on the San Diego State Creighton foul? At the end of that game, a lot of people are saying they should have just let it go to overtime and go five more minutes. What did you think of the foul that got San Diego State the free throws? I'm 50-50 on it. Nimhard's hand was all over him, and I think if Darion Trammell was bigger, it wouldn't have been a call, but the fact that he's like 5'5", you gotta call it. And did he... Freak it? Did he sell it? A hundred percent. So he's small and he sold it and that got the call. Yes. That got the call. Mm -hmm. And I've made calls during the end of the game. You don't want to, but on the floater like that and his Nimhart's hand, get your hand off, bro. Get your hand off. Because even the little body, even the little body, that's tough to call. But the hand there... That's hard to get over. It's almost like one of those sneaky pass interference moments yeah. where if I see the hand on the jersey, I do I feel like I need to call it? And if you saw the view they showed you from where that from behind that official, I kind of got I sort of understood it's, it. I wish he hadn't called it, but I got so it. So biased, like officiating, that's one thing that makes it difficult because it's so biased. LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal been getting hacked through the course of their career, and I've seen the whistle swallowed. Did I see Kevin Durant or Tim Duncan make the same move as Braun and Shaq right. and get the call because those guys just have a different frame. Yeah. And it goes to all the way to reputation with Brock Cunningham. Like, Joe's absolutely right, and we've said it too. If that's not Brock Cunningham, that call probably doesn't get made. And if that's not Darion Trammell... That call doesn't get made. The other weird part, the anticlimactic ending to that game. They go back, the long throw, they're going to look at all these different things and Gene Steratore's going over all this, and then they just wave their hands up and say, that's it, we're done. And I went back and timed that play, and it was 1.2 seconds, and I timed it on a stopwatch at about 1.3 to 1.4. So I thought, well, that must be what they did. They just realized there was too much time had gone by. We're done. We didn't start the clocking. But they never really explained it. I never heard that fully explained. Yeah, they were just, we were like, just done. Yeah, they were just expecting everybody to know the rules. Right. There was a lot going on there. Like, like, yeah, guys, it, we just didn't start it on time, and it went over. I kind of felt bad for San Diego State there because they just they just all of a sudden there's the, that moment. But, man, that is a team that is, uh, is on a pretty wild run themselves to get by Alabama and then to get by Creighton, two teams a lot of people liked. A lot of people were picking either Bama or Creighton. In that side of the bracket, it felt like they were able to get through uh, to get through them. That SDSU and FAU, all the letters match up on one side is pretty wild, and then you got names on the other side: UConn and Miami. Yeah, yeah. I mean, old school Big East with UConn and Miami, and then San Diego State. Just being able to play nine deep and being so physical, like they, there's no let up. 
When they bring guys in off the bench, there is no let up, and they're always fresh because no guy really plays over 30 minutes. Like, it's rare if you find that team playing over 30 minutes for each one of those guys. So uh, they play just a different brand of physicality, and you're just seeing with the COVID year and the transfer portal, these grown ass men around 24 years old, born in 1999 and <laughs> stuff like that, uh, that, that's what's winning. Like FD or FAU, those guys, there's a lot of super seniors on that team, a ton. And they're very guard-driven. And I like big man down low, Golden. He does a good job. And he went to work against Kansas State, which doesn't have much of a big man. You know, so I like it. I don't need the chalk. I just want to see good basketball, and that's what we're getting. Yeah, right now, if I heard it right today, by the those that are looking at it, all four of these teams, no McDonald's All-Americans. Zero. Anywhere, and no one-and-dones, at least according to the way they're looking at it now. Yeah. No guys that are obvious one-and-dones. Yeah. Parents, if you have kids and they want to learn how to shoot the basketball, go watch Jordan Hawkins for UConn. Oh, my goodness. That is a pretty shot. That's one of the prettiest, yeah. sweetest jumpers I've ever seen yeah. <laughs> i mean like alan houston tennessee vol sweet ray allen same alma mater yukon sweet that is some pure stuff and the way he was shooting that thing yo nba fan nba scouts they licking they chops like they just got done eating lemon pepper wings with lou <laughs> williams at magic city <laughs> like it's that jumper wow and NBA, whoever picks him up, he's going to be one of those guys. He ain't going to be a superstar in the league, but he's going to be one of those guys that you could start at your shooting guard spot, and if you have a good guard or good big man that you have to help off of and you swing it to that dude, he's going to knock it down. So, yeah, if you have a kid, go watch that jumper. That's that's how you shoot it, the right way. Yeah, and speaking of wow, can anybody get close to UConn? First step, just make it a game. Their scores are 87-63. 70 to 55, 88 65, and 82 54. Zay, they made Gonzaga look like they shouldn't have been in the field yeah. by uh, the end of that game. Andre Jackson is like Timmy Allen with a 40 inch vertical. Oof. Yeah. That's what he is. He almost had a triple double in that game or against uh, Gonzaga. Yeah. Florida with a triple-double. He's like Timmy Allen, does a little bit of everything good, but he's so athletic, it takes him a little step above. Hmm. Love Timmy Allen. Love what yeah. he brought to the horns. I'm definitely going to miss him. But we saw, especially this last 10 minutes, Timmy Allen could be limited in, you know, if you can figure him out. Andre Jackson, he could be limited too, but he has that bounce and that quick step and just a different type of athleticism where he could play on the next level. And with Sonogo, man, Hurley's team, yeah, they look like the favorites right now to win the national championship. They really do. I'm not sure who's going to stop them. We'll see if Miami's got anything for them. Uh, up next, where are we at in society with Zay? Then in the 2 o'clock hour, we'll get back into the, the Lamar Jackson story. LeBron James made his return. And, yes, we're talking Longhorn basketball. Miami takes him out. Looks like Rodney Terry's going to get the job. And we are getting your thoughts on it today. Specs text line 337-3776. Longhorn fans, we are your therapy today. It's the Horn.
All right, rolling through a Monday show. Therapy Monday for Longhorn basketball fans trying to figure out what happened yesterday. 88-81. Miami gets the win. Back to that in a little while. All right. I feel like I should know this one. Oh, wait, is this the who? No. No. Who was in the who, though? Roger Daltrey was the lead singer, but he's the, I don't think he's going to have a solo project. Okay. All right, yeah, so I'm a little off on this one. Who is it? Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. The heck? Coming no. home. Delaney and Bonnie and Friends? Yes. That is a lot going on. Okay. I mean, it says in Friends, but when I typed it in, it's just Delaney and Bonnie. For you Who fans out there, doesn't this kind of sound like The Seeker? Is that just me? I thought that's what it was. All right, so Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, Stray Cats, Tony Basil, and Sleaze Bees all on the board today. Obviously, uh, a lot of basketball talk. We have a Final Four set. Everything will be on Saturday, unfortunately, for Longhorn fans. Unfortunately, for Cougar fans, there will be a Final Four in Houston and neither of those teams gets to be involved because both those teams got beat by Miami. Somebody texted earlier, Zay, that Miami team to score that many, and they end up scoring, what was it, 89 against Houston and then 88 against the Longhorns. They're giving them credit for being a pretty damn good offensive team. When you can go against those two defenses and come out with right at 90, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you of age – They've been an excellent team all year defensively up there in Ken Palm and both offense and defensive efficiency. Def- uh, and they picked them apart completely, which I mentioned earlier terrified the Texas coaching staff. And I think they overplayed at mm-hmm. times. They overplayed because they wanted to take away the three. When you see Nigel Pack hit seven of them things and the ball's in his hands, which Nigel Pack, he's a good player. Talk about shiftiness. He has a weird body. Just like he's only six foot, five, five eleven at best, but He's a lot quicker than you think. He's a lot more athletic, and he was doing some shifty stuff yesterday, made some real crafty uh, buckets, Isaiah Wong too, and then, of course, Jordan Miller being just straight-up perfect. That's tough. That's tough, and they spread you out. They go five out, and Texas, they were small too. They didn't have the ability to dominate them inside like they would have if Dylan DeSue were there, and – we're just always going to be thinking about what if from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I get why the Longhorns took some threes in that second half. They had a good first half there, but I just I, I remember at halftime thinking sixty four percent for Miami. If you don't st- if you don't get them out of the lane a little bit, and you miss a few threes, you're going to let them back in. And you talked earlier about the one that the pass off Timmy Allen to get the easy bucket. The reaction for Miami there was interesting to me because that went so high. It went from thirteen to eleven. But if you know basketball, you know that nine eleven range that that becomes really really big. No matter what you'd done, you were at eleven, and you knew one more stop and bucket, and you're in single digits, and the momentum just they they felt like that was turning. And in the end, they were right. Yeah, because it's already too hard to stop them. And you give them that, right? And Poplar, when he dunked it, he dunked it with some intensity and oh, yeah. yelled. You heard the yell. Ah! I looked at the bench while doing it too, and like you said, it gave them an extra juice. Like, oh yeah, we here. We're not leaving. We yeah. ain't leaving. And, and the other thing I thought of right at that time, think about how long Texas had from the begin, from the when the Xavier game got out of whack to then. 
The Longhorns had had a lot of time up, yeah, up by a lot, comfortably up, and smiling and having a good time and all that. And it's almost like they kind of got in their own heads and were trying to and, – and something occurred there. That play stood out to me. And then didn't somebody get caught with the you can't run the baseline? Yeah, Tyrese Hunter oh, did. Oh, those kind of little things have got to drive coaches insane where yeah. you're like, that's so basic – and you miss it, and you just hand them a possession. It's so much more easier to make comebacks when the clock is stopped and you're going to the free throw line getting your points. Because if you hit a three, the ball rolls, and you could walk to the ball. If the refs – that's why, you know, it's it's interesting for a team that makes a shot. You want to make it, and if you want to get that ball out quick and start a five-second, throw the ball to the ref fast. But sometimes guys don't do that. Sometimes the shot will go in, and then they'll go find their man, and then guys will take their time to go get the ball. Because once you get it, that's when the five seconds starts. Right. So you can waste like 12. I've seen John Morant do it. Princeton, with their smart asses, they were doing it in the first two rounds. Yep. Missouri wouldn't score, and then the ball would roll. Princeton guys would walk and get it, and the clock would tick and tick. You can't do that when – they're knocking down free throws and the clock stop. Yeah, so it's a point. lot easier to come back, and that's what we saw yesterday. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, let's uh, get you where we at in society. See what Zay wants to talk about today. I'm guessing it's not Longhorn basketball. Here we go. Where are we at in society today? Because he knows he has to talk about that in other places. What do you want to get to, Zay? De'Aaron Fox, uh, one of my favorite point guards in the league. I think he's one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA from mm-hmm. Houston, Texas. Went to Cy Fair, which good job Shaka Smart letting him get out. But when John <laughs> Calipari comes knocking on the door, what do you do? You know, what mm, can you do? It's yeah. Kentucky, John Calipari. And we're talking about 2015, like 2016. Kentucky is really booming right now. So I can't knock Shaka too much, but still, Shaka, this is the age. Go to Houston. It's a quick drive. Go there. Recruit the kid when he's six years old. Early. (laughs) When he's six. I'm just saying, there's certain talents that you just know early on. He's going to be good. Maybe he wasn't. We're, we're that, meeting then, him at the kindergarten okay. field day? Sixth that, grade. Let's say oh, sixth okay. grade. Sixth grade. Sixth grade, right. not sixth. Sixth grade. Fair enough. Yeah. So De'Aaron Fox, he went viral recently and for his statements on college basketball. Take Uh-oh. a listen, Chad and Erbody. All right. Watch March Madness at all? Uh, I kind of flip through college games. I can't watch a full college game. Really? No, nah, I can't. <laughs> Is it that bad? It's, it's hard. Okay. It's hard just to... Shot making is not at obviously the pro level. The refs are bad. A lot of coaching is really bad. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I can't stand it. Mm, big fan. Yeah, not a fan <laughs> of the college game. So he's gone viral. They're like, oh, you went to Kentucky. You should you should appreciate college basketball more than anybody. And which I don't buy that. But also, again, this just starts a debate of what he means, because this is March Madness. This is when, like, he looks crazy saying this during March Madness, because this is some of the funnest time in sports. And this year, I would argue, and I've been one to, to get on this sport the last few years uh, for certain you know, certain things, there's been some good high-quality ball in this tournament. Yeah. There's been some high-quality stuff going on. I mean, overall, I, I at times I get what he's talking about, I, but, you know. Yeah, now let's break down what he means, because I do understand what he means. Yeah. The spacing in college basketball doesn't allow guys to thrive. you got to really be a master of your craft, which 
it's tough. Like that's why coaching is so big in college basketball because it's so hard to score. You know, it's just so tough. Like I saw, I heard Mick Cornyn the other day talking about how much harder it is to coach college basketball than it is in the association. Hmm. And in the, in, in the pros, when he means the shot making, yeah, it's a lot easier. There's no three seconds. You can't touch nobody, hand checks and all that. Like, it, it's kind of like pro football. It mm-hmm. makes offense a lot easier because people want to see points. And... Going back to the refs, yeah, the refs could be bad in college basketball. We saw last night, the refs were bad. Did Texas lose that game on their own? Yes, but the refs were bad. You have to admit that. Mm -hmm. Then the coaching, this is what I don't get because there is better coaching than others, but to flat out say the coaching is really bad, like I, that doesn't make any sense because these coaches are coaching their ass off, especially the ones that are left, like – they're coaching their ass off. I so. think coaching is critical in college. Oh, it's huge. Because you're re-racking the roster every year, and now transfers are important, and it's about how you put it together in one instance. I think it's even more important. Now, I'm not saying there's not bad coaches out there, but I would not put a blanket over it and say everybody's bad. Yeah. So that's that was interesting that he said that, but, hey, I don't know. I also wonder with those Kentucky guys, as much as they're supposed to be college basketball freaks because they're one of the blue blood programs, those guys are there for a blink, man. That's what I'm saying. Those guys are there for a cough, and they're gone. They never really experience you want them to the lo- full college yeah. like experience. What they're you, there for six months, what do you, if that. What do you want them to love about college basketball? They're in it for just a little bit of time. They're not staying long-term. They're not on a team that gets built and developed and you know throughout the year so that fans can follow them year after year after year, and they get better along the lines. That's just not what it is. When De'Aaron Fox lost, just like the Horns did in the Elite Eight game, because that's what they did. Him, Malik Monk, and Bam Adebayo, they lost in the Elite Day, and he cried in the locker room and all that stuff. You think he went to class that next week? <laughs> he entered the draft. Of course he went to class. He Zay, what are you talking about? He entered the draft. It's the University of Kentucky. How dare you even insinuate <laughs> that he yeah, wouldn't go to class? University of Kentucky where their head coach somehow finessed Derrick Rose and somebody took his SAT for him. I have no idea what you're yeah. talking about there. Uh-huh. Yeah, no idea. Squeaky clean John that people were <laughs> vouching for to come around here. Eesh. All right. It's, that would have worked out. There's squeakiness going on, but it's not, <laughs> not about cleanliness. All right, there is some where we at in society. We do it every day at 145. Up next, Lamar wants a trade. LeBron comes back, and we're still trying to figure out how the Longhorns blew a 13-point lead from that point and a 10-point lead from that point. Miami moves on. Longhorns left with questions and probably a new head coach. We'll get you the latest on the horn.